How does Max Lucado's recipe for calm get through the, t the Lutheran cruncher? The Lutheran diagnostic? What should we call it? Anyway, that's what we talk about today on Table Talk Radio. A radio show that confesses Christ without confusing the law and the gospel. A radio show that takes scripture seriously without taking ourselves so seriously. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. I, I like how he ran in the room thinking that you accidentally articulated baptism incorrectly. Like, <laughs> wait a minute, you're mistaken. He said to me, he said, you sound like a heretic. Right, yeah. It wasn't like, boy, they must be playing a game where they're articulating someone else's belief. It was, I think Pastor Wolfmiller is off his rocker. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm a little bit disturbed that you think that I would actually teach that about baptism. <laughs> and it's so, 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 so deserved to be crunched. I mean, mega crunched. <laughs> So, uh, if you guys would put the megacrunch on the phone, that would be awesome. <laughs> keep uh, preaching the word. Passes, keep it mediocre. Mediocre and hilarious. The only thing worse than cabin fever is cabin fever with Table Talk Radio. That's right. Nothing makes you want to climb the walls like... <laughs> Like the sound, like the sound of the theme music here. Hey, how's your staycation going over there? Fine. Yeah, yeah, good. Living, the, living life large. It's great. It's great, great. I although oh, I forgot this morning. I have a box of books that I brought home from church yesterday uh, that I needed to bring inside, and I forgot now. So that'll be better. I got a. I I brought about seven books home on the doctrine of the Trinity that I want to dig through a little bit. So. So That'll make it even Figure nicer. out what it's all about. That's yeah, probably yeah. good for you to learn that I, one. I, I'm trying to figure out if I believe in it or not. Is that how that goes? <laughs> you know, there, there's supposed to be an Issues Etc. conference in June. I don't know. Oh, yeah. It's, it's in a holding pattern, but I'm supposed to talk about the Trinity there. And I don't want to blow it because <laughs> hopefully, because Al Mohler's going to be there. Oh. That's, it's an audience of one. That's right. <laughs> now, Al Mohler, I, Al Mohler, look at me. That's what if you see me working hard on that lecture, that's why. That's what's happening. <laughs> Al Mohler, Al Mohler. You have like this like talk like, to me. Uh the the thousands of fans to Kirk Cameron is to you to Albert Mohler. <laughs> yeah. I believe that. What I don't know understand it, but I believe it. That uh so I'm try I was trying to figure out. Well, I don't know. I mean, I, I was hope the pro part of the problem of the issues etc. conference is probably someone's going to be taking Al Mohler to the airport during my lecture, which is right after his. If that's that funny, happens, you know. he'd be like, so oh, I, was like I, I was just just give my manuscript to someone and be like, someone else read this. I'll take Al to the airport. <laughs> I mean, Doctor Mohler. Uh, I mean, I kudos to you for taking up that topic because I mean, it's 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 tough. Uh, as a presenter, uh, speaking for like an hour on something that is, uh, well, I mean, it's presumably if people come to the Issues Etc. conference, they're looking for something um, in depth, something they haven't thought of before. And it's hard It's hard to be innovative with the Trinity, right? Well, and, and the other <laughs> problem, and so I, I the, whatever Paul, so there's a couple of things with the doctrine of the Trinity, but Paul is our example here is whenever you see Paul sort of, wander into the into the realm of the great mystery of the doctrine of the holy trinity he just sort of breaks down into praise of god it's it's really quite wonderful so you know who will rescue me from this body of death or who will mm. uh, how inscrutable are his ways that he just sort of he sort of i don't know it's not putters off he sort of launches into to doxology so that 
the doctrine of the Holy Trinity is is less for our investigation and more for our our worship. And it shows it shows up when for the churches, for example, that have the liturgy. We the the doctrine of the Holy Trinity is all over the liturgy. I mean, you can't you can't go five minutes in the liturgy without getting a reference, oblique or what's the opposite of oblique. Uh, to the to references there. I mean, mm-hmm. just this praise to Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It's beautiful. I'll let you get so, a thesaurus by the, by the time you have issues, et cetera. You want to, you, I know. You want, so you want to treat this with the highest of reverence, but also with the source, with the, with the joy of doxology. And it's, you know, I mean, so you can make some points like, like the only reason that you know that the evangelicals are, are Trinitarian is when they start talking about the Muslims. I mean, I remember, I remember yeah. going to some apologetics like we're not Muslim. Was why not? It's like because we believe in the Trinity. And we're like, we do. <laughs> we should. We, you never should. You should probably mention it every now and again. The only yeah. time you ever hear about it is the anti-Muslim class. But but the, the, you know, so there's a few places to make some digs. But you just want to go and and rejoice with, with with this glorious doctrine. And how about this? I was reading something. Someone sent me a lecture. I there's one. It was a Table Talk radio listener, I think, sent me a lecture of some Scottish guy. I don't know. So it sounded cool. He's got a cool accent. He was talking about the Trinity, and he made this beautiful point, and that is that the thing that gives God the Father the most delight throughout all eternity is knowing His Son, and that is precisely what He wants to share with us. So that the tre- so that the thing that God the Father treasures most, He wants us also to rejoice in. He wants us also to rejoice in knowing the Son. Hmm. Wow, wow, wow! So this is just—I mean, can you imagine? That is something. It's beyond our capacity to understand. So anyway, I remember when I was in college, and I mean, so I grew up in a, a liturgical church, and um, I kind of messed around in some youth groups when I was in high school. But when I went to college, that was really the first time I was really kind of contrasting um, in, a, in a real thoughtful way liturgical worship versus like the praise band thing. Because in college, I had the mandatory chapel services. that was all praise bandy. And one of the things I remember wrestling with is um, why, why don't they in chapel or any other kind of praise band service at least have the invocation? Because there's nothing of the invocation that um, an evangelical would disagree with. So why not begin the service in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit? And I remember puzzling over that for a long time. Uh, And I think it's just that uh, if someone doesn't even have that background, they wouldn't even think that that would be a thing to do, uh, to begin a service in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Hmm. But uh, now, I, my, one, one last question before we actually get to the show proper: If you were taking Albert Mueller to the airport, what would that yeah. what would that car conversation to the airport sound like? What 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 thing would you want to bring up with that? Do you? I, I want to remind you of a story. Do you remember your <laughs> predecessor there, Pastor Niblet? Yeah. Uh, who? So there was a time that. Uh, how did this go? That that Matt Harrison and I were both speaking at an LWML conference in Rogue River. Do you know the story? Yeah. And so, so here's I I think it was President Harrison at the time, or maybe he was I, just about to be president yeah, or something so. like this. Mm-hmm. And he's and he comes in there. Pastor Niblet picks him up from the airport and brings him to the hotel, and then we're hanging out, we lecture and everything else, and and then my dad takes Pastor uh, uh, Harrison back to the airport, and it's like three minutes away. 
You know, it's the mm-hmm. airport is like right there. And Harrison says, how how did you get her so fast? It took Norm, Pastor Niblet. it took him like an hour and a half. Well, it turns out that he got lost and went the wrong way and was just kind of driving around, but never mentioned it to President Harrison. That's what I would do, by so the way. You That's would get my lost. first strategy. Pastor Nib- I'd be like, yeah, yeah, I'll take you to the airport. And he's like, how come it's taking seven hours to get to the airport, Wolfie? What the heck? Okay. So you're going to extend but I'm the interested time. In, I'm, I'm kind of interested in two things. Um so number one, I'm I'm interested in his mental discipline, and I'm also interested in his theological discipline. So how how to uh, how to maintain um, the kind of pace of activity that he does? I'm interested in the practical side of this, but but the theological motivation behind it. So that's just kind of what I'm. I think I think when you're pulling in to the to the drop off line, you should ask, "What do you think about universal atonement?" <laughs> <laughs> Okay, I'll ask. <laughs> All right. So, well, let's do some buzzwords. Why don't you baptize the babies? Well, yeah, I'll that's t- what you should I'll do. take questions, you know. Why don't uh, uh, people can submit their uh how do they email us on this show? Do I we even know. do that anymore? I don't know. They can email to our show and the questions they want me to ask Al Moeller while I'm taking him to the airport. That would be great. And we should read them on the air. Okay, good. All right, let's do some buzzwords real quick before we run out of time. 2 minutes. My buzzword for you is emergency. Oh, okay. I'll explain that later. <laughs> No, 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 right now, quick. <laughs> <laughs> this is one of the problems of the crisis. You remember this whole thing, necessity no, knows no law? Mm-hmm. And so um, so emergency situation is the suspension of order. But we want to be careful, very, very careful, about admitting theological emergency situations. Because, well, one, it's a denial of the ascension of Jesus. And two, it, it just is, wrecks the gospel ordering of things. So we'll talk more about that, okay. I'm sure. So I don't really have a buzzword yet, so I'm just going to riff off of yours. Um, so this is really interesting as we think about How you not the... have a buzzword? <laughs> I was too enamored by your Trinity stuff earlier. Um, that so, so we have this thing called the Constitution, right? And oh. one of the things in this Constitution um, guarantees the separation between church and state. And so I've, I've been hearing these stories lately about pastors getting arrested because they're still having church services when their state governor is saying that they can't and the excuse that that is said is well there's a separation of church and state and um you know this what you just said uh makes the point that when we enter a state of emergency these the law and order or you said order is is suspended so um i mean i would also suggest that the first amendment allows us to peaceful protest but under the same premise that we can't have a, a, a peaceful protest outside the courthouse because we're under a state of emergency. We also uh, aren't. So what I'm saying is that this state of emergency has removed what rights we would normally have under the Constitution. Sorry, I was tracking down this hashtag virtual communion that someone submitted. <laughs> nice. I cannot believe what I'm well, seeing. Well, we're going to be talking about that at the, after this. So we're going to take a quick you break. You probably said something really I'm gonna interesting. I'm going to throw but I... my buzzword out, and then we're going to get into the show proper. This break will give me some time to look at the buzzword, and uh, no, should, this is really should be well worth the wait. So. Oh, I should no. not have clicked on this. Oh, no. All right. We're also going to be uh, talking about some advice from Max Lucado of yeah. how to hander, hand hander handle a crisis uh maybe some uh listen to your voicemails got a got a nice show in store for you you're listening to table talk radio we'll be right after i don't know if i trust your judgment on things like that (laughs) that's fair 
Hashtag virtual communion. Oh, man. Oh, man. Most of the listeners are sleeping. This is Table Talk Radio. So I've kicked up the Wolfmuller One YouTube channel, and I was talking to Daniel, my expert YouTube advisor, about it, who said, Dad, your stuff is really bad. I know, Daniel, I know. But look, I have 4,006 uh, for watch time, and to monetize on YouTube, you got to have 4,000 hours. And I, I look, I said, look, 4,006. And Daniel says, Dad, you have 4,006 minutes, not hours. <laughs> anyway, if you want to see what we're up to over on YouTube, you can visit YouTube, search for Wolfmuller. Wolfmuller1 is the channel name. See you there. Oh, yeah, I remember, though. Woo. Oh, how could I forget? Welcome back. It's Table Talk Radio. All right, got a buzzword for you, and my buzzword for you is order. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, so here's the thing about order that God had. So we have it in the scriptures that uh, God is not. Uh, see, God is a God of order, right? So that God has ordered us in creation. So we see this, I think, now when there's so much disorder. That uh, that God is that has put places in order. I'm getting some feedback again. I don't know why. I'm not sure what's going on. Really? Not sure where that's coming from. Anyway, um, is it me? If I move this, does that change anything? Let me turn you off, and I'll see if that. Hello? Yeah, that sounds a lot better. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, oh, I'll just deal with it. It's fine. Um, so anyway, so so God has created us in order. So we see this in the order of creation that God has uh, created. Uh, all things, and he put then man in the garden to take care of the garden, and then he put, uh, there's an order to Adam being created first, and then Eve, uh, so that the husband is head of the wife, and then uh, parents are um, placed over children for their well-being. We were talking about, uh, on Sunday, uh, doing a lot of stuff from the three estates. We spent like half an hour just kind of talking about the benefits and um, all that goes in with the three estates. And so uh, that, that God has given us an order to this creation for our good, for our well-being. So I think this is seen um, in the f- uh, fourth commandment. Uh, the fourth commandment is the first commandment with the promise that it will go well with you and live a long life on the earth. And so my explanation of this is that if mom and dad tell you as a child, always look both ways before you cross the street and you adhere to that wisdom, you will enjoy a long life on the earth. Agree. <laughs> All right. Let's look at the story from Max Lucado that you sent me. Okay. I got this printed out right here. Man, I got to stop. I'm about to. You're I'm doing... becoming theologically queasy. I just shut this thing. Oh, down you're looking at the virtual whatever. Okay. Someone sent this in. You don't remember who? I don't remember who. Someone sent this article and said, hey, here's Max Lucado's response to the whole business. And uh, how would how is it different or the same as a Lutheran response? So... I don't even have. I printed this out. There's no. Did you have this article? Did you see it? It's on my screen. It's. Uh, I don't see what the title is in the version I. Max Lakato, uh, coronavirus anxiety. You can't control the circumstances, but here are four things to do. Okay. In times like these, it's easy to let fear grip our hearts. Fear of sickness. Fear of loss. Fear of the unknown. But when fear and anxiety try to invade our every thought, there is a calm, C A L M, that comes only from God. If you wonder about your ability to fight fear. 
Remember, there is a pathway out of the Valley of Worry. God used the pen of Paul to sketch the map with the most underlined verse in the Bible. Oh, this is it? Hmm. This is Philippians 4. How do, you, how do you know if this is the most underlined verse in the Bible? Well, you have to get every Bible and look at all of the underlined verses and then... Fact check. You know what you could do? But you Have you seen this on the Kindle or, or like the Logos software? Is it, it gives you a little note about the passages that other people have highlighted. You know, I don't like Kindle, but I was looking at my wife's just last night and I noticed that. So it's funny that you brought it up just now. I, on my Logos software, it'll do the same thing. So I'll be reading through Luther's works, and there's a, I, I, there's a, some sentence I've never seen before in my life, and it's underlined. I mean, mm. How'd that get underlined? And mm. I guess everyone else underlines it, so they underline it for you. <laughs> I think I have that turned off on mine. It's, uh, it's interesting to see what people like. I'm like, who are these people reading Luther? That's not the important passage. But anyhow, <laughs> apparently Philippians 4 is the most underlined passage. I mean, I don't doubt it. It's a nice passage. It says this. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Isn't it? I, now, just to make a side note here on the scripture, that the second coming is to engender. Can we use that word still? Engender? Mm -hmm. the, the, the second coming of Jesus is to engender gentleness in the Christian. Hmm. The Lord's at hand. Let your gentleness be known to all men. Then, then this. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything through prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue, and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things." So far, so good, right? That's beautiful text. Anything you want to say about this text? I, I was kind of caught in this point that you just made, that uh, the coming of the Lord was to engender gentleness. Um, and I wondered if there's an explanation in that. In that, so, so we can know what the end looks like. We know that when the Lord returns, um, it will be for our salvation. And yet it also means judgment for the, for the unbeliever and that uh, the, Christian, the Christian can have compassion um, on, the, on the person who does not yet uh, uh, confess the Lord Jesus. So that, the, that uh, I don't think, so, so that we're, re we're rejoicing knowing that when the Lord finally comes at the end of this, this world that we live in, that it comes for our salvation, and we want to have then compassion for the person who doesn't yet know the Lord. What do you think about mm -hmm. that? Yeah, that's right. Well, yeah, th that's exactly it. So we, you know, the, because the, the second coming is this thing that we long for. Come, Lord Jesus, how long, O Lord, etc. And yet we know that the Lord is putting it off out of love for those who don't yet know him. So the Lord is not, how does Peter says it, the Lord is not uh, something... In his coming, the Lord is not, the Lord is not something. What is it? How come I can't think of the text? But is long suffering, not desiring for oh, slow to anger. How come I forgot? I used to know right, that Bible Lord. passage, but I forgot it. The Lord is not slow about his promises. Oh, this is I'm I'm starting okay. to remember it now. But is long suffering, not desiring any to perish. Um. Mm -hmm. That it's or um, Paul writes that the Lord. Uh, desires that all would come to repentance. 
so that the Lord himself knows that this last day is going to be a rough day. But I, I think it's also interesting because, like, the more apocalyptic the world gets, like, this is kind of an apocalyptic day, you know? Like, we were we were flipping through the TV thing the other day, looking at the free movies, and there was one called Contagion. I don't know if you've... This is some movie, and I was like, hmm. I do not want to watch that. In fact, all these movies <laughs> about the end of the world, I'm like, this is hitting a little too close to home nowadays. Mm-hmm. So, so we, so it's a kind of apocalyptic time. And, but normally, what happens is, in an apocalyptic environment, everyone is militarized. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like the ten, you, you know, you hear all these things about people getting guns and locking their door, and and so as the end gets worse and the chaos kind of rises that the everyone becomes more military that's the that's the kind of attitude but paul connects it to gentleness he says as you see the storm coming as you see the day coming to a close uh, as you see as as you hear wars and rumors of wars you are to increase in gentleness hmm. just interesting it is it is but it may be not the exact point. I, what I can't tell is if this is actually written by Max Lucado or if it's someone writing about what he says. Do you know? Do you know that? It says opinion by Max Lucado. Okay, well, so I'll keep reading then. A person would be hard pressed to find a more practical, powerful, and inspirational passage on the topic of anxiety. I think that's true. By the way, that's my number one go-to. I have three texts that I like to talk about when people are talking about worry. Number one, the Sermon on the Mount, where Jesus says, "Don't worry." And then he starts messing with us. He's like, he's like, well, I guess if you want to grow another foot, you could worry. That always works. <laughs> the sarcastic Jesus. <laughs> it is. He's like, how would you? He said, don't you have enough to worry? He's like, you're going to worry about tomorrow? Haven't I given you enough to worry about today? You're going to sit there and worry about tomorrow? I'll fix that. You want to make one hair black or white? <laughs> Go ahead. Worry. Yeah, That'll try. help. This is great. Uh, that's one text. This is the other one, Philippians 4.4. 4. The most underlined passage in the Bible. And then the other one is at the end of Peter where he says, cast all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. So those would be my top three worry texts. Do you have a different list? No, that's a good one. Uh, the passage has four key points that, sp- I'm back to Max Lucado, that spell out the word calm to help you remember. C equals celebrate God's goodness. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Turn your attention away from the problem, and for a few minutes, celebrate God. It does you no good to obsess yourself with your trouble. The more you stare at it, the bigger it grows. Yet the more you look to God, the quicker the problem is reduced to proper size. That was the strategy of the psalmist. Psalm 121, I will lift up my eyes to the hills, from whence comes my help. My help comes from the Lord, who made heaven and earth. Do you see the intentionality in these words, I will lift up my eyes. Do not meditate on the mess. You gain nothing by setting your eyes on the problem. You gain everything by setting your eyes on the Lord. That reminds me of Hebrews 12. Uh, uh, Looking to Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. That's kind of nice. The last part here, God is sovereign. Is God sovereign over your circumstances? Is he mightier than your problem? Does he have answers to your questions? According to the Bible, the answer is yes, yes, and yes. Maybe the answers are yes, yes, and yes. <laughs> I mean, I don't want to be the one you to and s- your, correct Max Lucado's you grammar. You and your plural. <laughs> Far um, be it from me. Yeah, you know, right. I mean, I can't even spell Monday. But anyway. 
There's no A in Monday? <laughs> Only one A, I guess. So, so far, so he says, uh, so he, the, the, the psalm, the, the text in Philippians is, this is, this is a real evangelical style, you know, the way to do it and to make an acronym and everything. But so far, so good. I mean, he says, the first thing is to, to remember that God is actually God. Mm-hmm. And it's easy to forget, you know, that the fear... That, that the Lord is to be feared, not all these other circumstances. But that's a nice reminder. Fair enough. All right, we'll be right back. We'll talk more about this after the break. A wise man once said, I listen to Table Talk Radio. He only said it once. I'm reading Luther's sermons from the House Postal every week. You can find it at www.hope-aurora.org. Click on the Luther Sermon Podcast. It's like a fancy Fig Newton. Like a, a Fig Newton from the organic store. That doesn't make I was, it sound any better. I was hoping for something crunchier. <laughs> that makes better radio. Do you know so, our neighbors so- have a, a kumquat tree? So I got to research it's on my list of things to do today is research how to tell if a kumquat is. <laughs> These are ripe. the things that make it to your to do list when you're on your staycation. Yeah. By the way, I want to let you know that uh, oh, where'd it go? New, Ze- New Zealand Prime Minister reassures kids that Easter Bunny is an essential service amid Corona's outbreak. Wow! So the Easter Bunny is an essential service, but churches not so much. Hey, you know, we should make our tagline. Table Talk Radio, social distancing before it was cool. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Now, um, so you, we, were, we were looking at this Max Licato article about um, anxiety and the sea of calm is celebrate God's goodness, quoting um, Philippians 4. Well, the whole thing is from a, a quote from Philippians, Philippians 4. Now, you tell me if I'm being too persnickety here. All right. But um, there's there's this theme that you find sometimes, and I think we're seeing it in this article, that the verses of the scriptures are kind of giving, um, uh, how do you call it, almost psychological guidance. Mm. <laughs> so, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. And we could ask the catechism question, what does this mean? And Max Lucado says, turn your attention away from the problem for a few minutes to celebrate God, it does you no good to obsess yourself uh, yourself over the over the trouble. And I, I think that's true from just like a like a psychological reality that when we're just obsessing over the problem, then uh, it seems bigger than it actually is. But is, is that really what we're being told in Philippians chapter four? And I don't think it is. And then the other thing here is you you can really I'm giving you permission to get on me if I'm just being too hard on um, these people, but. Um, let your ge- I say, let your gentleness be known to. <laughs> I know. Uh, is is God sovereign over your circumstances? Is He mightier than your problem? Does He have answers to your questions? Yes, yes, and yes. Well, um, I was thinking about this recently because uh, the the thing that I'm hearing more now than ever is God is in control. You're right. God is in control, and and I'm, of course true. I don't disagree with that statement. I I do believe God is in control. I do believe God is sovereign. But I wanted to stop and ask a question, is that truth a truth of law or a truth of gospel? Mm-hmm. And I think the assumption is that when people say it, that God is in control, that the assumption is that, well, God is uh, God is in control and he's going to make this turn out well for me. 
And I would wonder if we if we actually have that just in the statement God is in control. Now we could go to Romans eight twenty eight. We talked about this last week, and God works things together for good for those who love Him. But that is in view of the sacrifice of Christ, mm-hmm. which is gospel. So to yeah. just have this line, God is in control, I think is really a statement of law. It would make me think that, well, then I'm under God's thumb. <laughs> you know what I mean? He's really pressing down on me if he's the one in control of all of this. I saw in this cesspool of Twitter it just a few minutes ago uh, a meme from Richard Dawkins, and it had a ma- it had the plot of coronavirus deaths, and it's flat, and then it goes whoosh, like this, just mm-hmm. you know, skyrockets. And then he put in a little arrow that said, Donald Trump's prayer breakfast. It's like right at the oh, end. Oh, brother. <laughs> and then someone commented, they said, that moment when Richard Dawkins went from believing there is no God to believing that there is a God in charge <laughs> of everything who's really mad at us. <laughs> That's funny. Which it seems like those are the two, those are off, awfully close to one another in the atheist imagination. Hmm. You know, I mean, that's what, the, that's what they get all upset about. God's in charge, and this is what he does with being in charge? And that, that's, what, that's basically the atheist argument. If I was in charge, I'd do better. Okay, you are in charge of, like, cleaning up your bedroom in your <laughs> parents' basement, and you're not doing a better job, <laughs> first of all. <laughs> But second of all, you're right that God is in charge is a, but so it it God is in charge is a is a true statement. But you're you you are right in a couple of ways. It should be it should be stated with a little bit of theological subtlety because it can be law, it can be gospel, it can also be this is my favorite. It can be a mockery of the devil. Hmm. So this is remember how Job is like yeah, the Lord gives, the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord, and the devil's like, "What? Are you not? I get no credit for this." Mm-hmm. And the, and Job's like, "Nope, no credit for you. The yeah. Lord gives, the Lord takes away." The devil's like, "But I caused all this stuff to happen." He's like, "Don't care." Yeah, the Lord. I get credit to the Lord. So, so when we say the Lord's in charge, we're saying it's because our fear. You know this. It's the, it has to do with the exclusivity of the fear of the Lord. So the fear of the Lord takes away all the other fears. So, well, and I mean, that's I, some, something that's there. God is in charge. That's that's that means that He alone is to be feared because it is a frightful thing. Right. Whoever's in charge, that's frightful. Right. And I and I would not try to assert that we shouldn't, you know, utter that truth. But I'm just saying it's a truth of law. So that, um, I mean, Jesus says this that, um, you know, when the Tower of Siloam falls, you know, is it that these were worse sinners? And the answer is no. But you should repent, <laughs> you know. So mm-hmm. I mean, I think that this occasion should serve as an occasion for Christians to repent, um, and insofar as that is true, that this is uh, law. So that this this whole pandemic, worldwide global pandemic, is not happening outside of the Lord's doing. In fact, we can say it is the Lord's doing. So repent. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's mm-hmm. the point. Um, but but mm-hmm. if we're if we're trying to uh, bring comfort to a to a troubled soul over this whole thing. I don't know that I go right to God is in control unless it's in view of the um, sacrifice and mercy of God. And that's where we go to Romans 8.28 to say that, look, if if uh, God could have chosen to spare his own son, but he didn't, he spared you instead of his own dear beloved son, right? I mean, that's Romans right. 8. So if, if that is true, then God is going to work this out for your good as well. And that at least does not just center on the sovereignty of God, although true, it centers on the mercy of God found in his crucifixion. 
Right. There's no nothing about the crucifixion here so far in Max Lucado. He does say, so the sovereignty is in the context of God's goodness, though. So mm-hmm. he does say, you know, the C here is celebrate God's goodness. Yeah, okay. And then and then he says, and so when we celebrate God's goodness, it also is a reminder that he's big All right, well, good, I should let but, you move on or else we're just going to be k- and not calm. Okay. I'll I'll keep uh, I'll keep reading. I'll <laughs> click here to sign up for our opinion newsletter. Uh-huh. Rejoice in the Lord. I think that was probably an ad inserted there. Maybe. Rejoice in the Lord. That's step one. Don't hurry past it. Face God before you face your problem. Then you'll be ready. A. Next step. A. In the calm. So we're ka. Let your requests be made known to God. Philippians four. Fear triggers either despair or prayer. Hmm. Choose wisely. God said, "Call on me in the day of trouble." Psalm fifty fifteen. Luther's favorite, most favorite verse on prayer. That's my addition. I don't know if Max Lucado knows that. Mm. Jesus said, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. Matthew 7. There's no uncertainty in that promise. No might, perhaps, or possibly will. Jesus states unflinchingly that when you ask, he listens. So ask. Oh, wait a minute. What's this pull quote? Is this pull quote from later or do I need to read it right now? Pull quote's in line. Don't let anxious negative thoughts take over your mind. This sounds like Joel Osteen. You cannot control the circumstances, but you can always control what you think of them. So ask. When anxiety knocks on the door, say, Jesus, would you mind answering that? Reduce your request to one statement. Imitate Jesus who taught us to pray. Give us this day our daily bread. Engage in specific prayer and engage in promise-based prayer. Stand on the firm foundation of God's covenant. Let us approach the throne of grace with confidence. Hebrews 4. Mm -hmm. This is interesting. Okay, so what do you think about that? Ask. Ask God for help. Uh, so true. I mean, um, we have these these promises that God hears our prayer. I mean, there's there's no doubt about that. Um, he, he what he says here, as you read, um, there is no uncertainty in that promise. No might, perhaps, or possibly will. Jesus states unflinchingly that when you ask, He listens, and that and so I mean that that is true because we, we wouldn't want to go so far that we're I mean where I was almost expecting it to be if it was Joel Osteen. Jesus states unflinchingly that when you ask he gives what you ask <laughs> you know that's that's not what he says so we can we can say yes um he listens um i'm still i'm still kind of on this treating the scriptures as kind of a what is it a to-do list or a there's a there's a way here i'm i'm, I'm sensing it in this particular section here where he's going to take the scriptures which are great and he's going to loosen them up and then tighten them up in a different spot. So, so St. Paul says, let your requests be made known to God. So let your petitions, <clears throat> that's, is the thing that he, um, he's going to give there. Is he going to mention thankfulness or just going to skip over thankfulness? Hmm. This is the kind of article that a parishioner says, hey, pastor, did you read this and let me know if there's anything wrong with it? And I'd mm-hmm. probably read through it and say, no, there's not really anything mm-hmm. wrong with it. It just mm-hmm. doesn't deliver the goods. You know, it doesn't right, really. Right. It doesn't quite. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So as you loosen up on the let your request known to God, and then you move over here and you tighten it down on this where you say, reduce your request to one statement. Like, why, why so dogmatic about that? Yeah. Imitate Jesus who taught us to pray. Give us this day our daily bread. Well, okay, but that's not. He, the Lord's Prayer, by the way, is seven petitions, not just one. Mm-hmm. Engage in specific prayer. Well, that's okay, but that's not what the text says. I mean, there's other texts for the specificity of our prayers, but they're not here. Engaged in promise-based prayer, that's very important. 
actually, and very good, mm-hmm. uh, and should be uh, fleshed out a little bit, I think. So we're asking God to keep his promises to us. Stand on the firm foundation of God's covenant. That's, a, I don't know if I would, I don't know. All right, we better keep moving, huh? Yep. L is leave your concerns with God. In times like these, it's easy for us to let fear grip our hearts. Fear of, oh, wait. Yeah, I probably shouldn't have let you start. Uh, let's leave L for well, that's okay, because I don't have any pages left. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's take it... a break. We'll get some more pages, and uh, we'll see if... Uh... Was this was this part of God's sovereignty to not deliver the rest of the article to you? Maybe so. <laughs> Delivering us. <laughs> All right. We're going to get our uh, article pages together, and we'll be right back on Table Talk Radio. Which came first, the mediocrity or the listener? This is Table Talk Radio. Get the Around the Word devotions delivered to you in a free daily email. You can f- sign up for that at whatdoesthismean.org. Click the devotions button. Wait, I don't have the. Where'd it go? Calm is uh, celebrate God's goodness. A, ask God for help. L, leave your concerns with God, and oh, there's C again. Where'd it go? <laughs> this is, how did that happen? It's not so easy to get to the end of this little word. Oh, meditate is the last one. Meditate. meditate. What about Thanksgiving? I think this is the most important thing in that whole verse. Be great, be anxious for nothing, but in everything through prayer and um with Thanksgiving, I think that in I think he's trying to put that into C. I think Thanksgiving and C are one and the same for Max Licato oh. for celebrate. All right, so let me finish reading this since uh, you don't have it in front of you. L, leave your concerns with God. Uh, okay, let him take it. charge. Let God yeah. do what He's so willing to do. Guard your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. Philippians four seven. Have you ever left an appliance at a repair shop? You tried to fix it, but had no success. So you took Are you it. asking me, or is Max Lucado I'm, asking I'm the reading world? Max Lucado here. I know. Okay, okay. Um, <laughs> by the way— You were I, reading it by, so conversationally by, by the that way, I thought you were actually asking me a question. By the way, before we finish this, have you ever taken an appliance to a repair shop? <laughs> but had no success. Well, just the other day. Uh, <laughs> all right. So you took it to a specialist. You explained the Thanks problem to him. Thanks for asking, Max. And then offered to stay and help and fix it. Hovered next to the workbench, asking questions about the process. Threw a sleeping bag on the floor of the workshop so you could watch the repairman work. If you did any of these things, you don't understand the relationship between client and repairman. The arrangement is uncomplicated. Leave it with him to fix it. Our protocol with God is equally simple. Leave your problem with him. God does not need our help, counsel, or assistance. Please repeat this phrase, I hereby resign as ruler of the universe. When he's ready for us to renege, he will let us know. Until then, replace anxious thoughts with grateful ones. There's your gratefulness. God takes Thanksgiving seriously. Here's why. Gratitude keeps us focused on the present. When we uh, we worry about the past, what we said or did, we worry about the future, tomorrow's assignment, or the next decade's developments. Anxiety takes attention from the right now and directs it back then out there. But when we aren't when we aren't focused on your problem, 
you have a sudden availability of brain space, use it for good. Meditate oh, wow. for good things. So it's it's like uh so it's like um uh uh, RAM, you take up space with RAM, with worry versus, and so Thanksgiving is like doing a um, uh, a reconfig on your hard drive or whatever. I'm I'm picking up what you're putting down next. <laughs> All right, so he says meditate on good things. Um, finally, brethren, whatever things are, I think this goes in the next section, even though the title is a little bit lower. So let's let's pause on on uh, L, which was leave your concerns with God. What do you think? Well, I mean, I think it's fine. I just, I, I suppose it's fine. I mean, it is, so, uh, the, there is something when. So, remember how Luther introduces us to the Lord's Prayer, where he says we pray because we have these great needs, and so the Lord is showing us the things that we need. So sometimes, the Lord teaches us what we need through His Word, and then other times He teaches us what we need through our life, through the world. Like, for example, our stomach tells us that we need food. Our bad conscience tells us that we need the blood of Jesus, or at least it tells us that we need something. And the Bible tells us we need the blood of Jesus. Uh, so, and our worry tells us that we need help. That we that that. In fact, I think you know, Evan. As I reflect on this whole Corona business, I think it. But one of the things that it's doing is it's reminding us that that we don't have it all sorted. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So someone was asking in Bible study yesterday. Like, how do we pray for daily bread in times like this? And and my answer was, well, it's times like this that remind us why we pray for daily bread. Because, mm -hmm. you know, a month ago, when daily bread doesn't seem like a big deal, you've, you kind of forget. But then the Lord reminds you, hey, this is a big deal. And mm -hmm. one, and then the Lord loosens up his, his grip just a little bit, and we are falling. So... The Lord is always providing for us. So, so when times, so worry is always, it's, it's like a little reminder that we are not the sovereigns of our own lives or whatever, and that we we must trust. We, we if, if the Lord doesn't give it, we don't have it. And so we trust in him constantly. So it's, and our prayers are kind of a confession of that. Hmm. Well, not, not kind of. Our prayers are a confession of that. All right, let's do let's do the last one. It says uh, right. meditate on good things. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue, if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. Philippians 4:8. Don't let anxious negative thoughts take over your mind. You cannot control the circumstances, but you can always control what you think of them. So it says, celebrate, ask, leave, meditate, calm. Could you use some calm? We could use a word of comfort, and God is ready to give it. It is not God's will that you lead a life of perpetual anxiety. He has made you for, he has made you for more than this session of breath-stealing angst and mind-splitting worry. With this help, you can sleep better tonight. You can reframe the way you face your fears by his power, you can be anxious for nothing and discover the peace which passes all understanding. And then he has a little prayer at the end. Do you want to hear the prayer? Yeah, yeah. Dear Lord, you spoke to storms. Would you speak to ours? You calmed the heart of the apostles. Would you calm the chaos within us? You told them to fear not. Say the same to us. We are weary from our worry, battered from the gales of life. 
O Prince of Peace, bequeath to us a spirit of calm. Quench anxiety, stir courage, let us know less fret and more faith. Amen. Bequeath. Wow. Yeah. Does that mean give? I think... Uh, well, well, bequeath is usually a, a giving at the... At the, the, at the death, you know, so it was really interesting. He chose that word, right? So, you, so you, it's like an inheritance that you're, you're giving an inheritance. I think, um, I mean, I suppose this is, you are right though. It's like this, it's like the only thing that matters is my inner life. You know, it's like, it's all about the, the attitude, which it seems to me that that's, that that's a, it's kind of the suburban Christianity. Like everything's fine on the outside. It's just everything's wrong on the inside. But everything gets reduced to the inside. But I mean, and so far as that goes, I I guess it's fine. But it seems like there's there's probably more to say. I wonder. I mean, okay, let me lay this out there and and and, and get your feedback on it. I think one of the differences that we have in Lutheran theology versus uh, something that we'd read in like Max Lucado is that. Um, a Lutheran theologian understanding law and gospel would just proclaim um, the word that's needed. So if law, then law. If gospel, then gospel. And in the latter, the gospel is simply a promise. And I think the, the Lutheran pastor or the Lutheran theologian would declare the promise, would say, you know, um, since Christ died for you, he is taking care of you even in the midst of this. And that's the end. I mean, it, it, we just leave it at the promise. And we don't have to come back and say, now, in order for you to get over your anxiety— um, access this promise by repeating it ten times in your heart, or something. Like that. I mean, it, it, I mean, a promise, and, I, and maybe this is the difference in our understanding of the efficaciousness of God's word. To say, look, I'm going to declare the promise, and its promise is going to um, calm your anxiety, not your response to the promise. You're right. That's right. Because we hear oftentimes we hear the law, "Be anxious for nothing," and we're like, "Oh, now I'm anxious because I'm so anxious." <laughs> yeah. Boy. I'm just trying to figure out what I would do if I was going to make a four-part acronym on this verse, how I would say it. Um, I'm working on it. I'll tell so you, what, you better we, stall. We, we have two minutes. So what? What would be your preference for the rest of the show? Yes. That's so do, do you want to do the voicemails or do you want to do your hashtag? Let's do a voicemail. Okay. No problemo doing a because there's no mail. way this hashtag can last too. This hashtag is just this is like putting this is like putting peanut butter in the back pocket. The <laughs> dogs are gonna get all right. Let's let's get it to it. All right, so I just saw a bumper sticker that says, "I have kids. Please consider them." I wonder if maybe you would want to comment on how we've gotten to a point in society where you have to put pleas for mercy on your car to get from place to place safely. Hey, thanks for the show, guys. God bless. That's an interesting point. I have kids. Please consider them. It's like there is a way that we value human life very differently just because we're secularists. So, like, say you're not born, no value. Then when you're born, <laughs> maximum value until you get to 18, and then it's like, uh-huh. And then once you get to about 60, it's like, well kind of bottom of the barrel so if someone wants to drive safe you don't you wouldn't say like i've got some middle-aged i've got a middle-aged son living in the basement please slow down <laughs> well i think the implication is that the child is probably in the car 
Oh, it's okay. not. It's not like, hey, I got to get home to my kids. It's the so kids are actually with me. What about I say like I've got my grandparents in the car. Please slow down. Well, that's an interesting point. Um, I I think also like as soon as you find out that you're with child, ladies, you know, when you're when you're pregnant, put that sign up you know, with child or whatever. See how that affects people's driving. I don't know. Well, you should. Maybe we should do that. Yeah. I got a baby in the. I got a bun in the oven. Drive safe. <laughs> Well, we had time to get to one voicemail, so we were what? super productive today. But uh, thanks for listening to this edition of Table Talk Radio in State of Emergency. I never even got to explain my whole buzzword, the whole thing. I can't believe the show's over. It's a ridiculous waste of time. <laughs> I don't even thanks know what your buzzword was. This edition of Table Talk Radio. Table Talk Radio is not for everyone. Please consult your Order. pastor before listening to Table Talk Radio. Oh. Side effects may include nausea, vomiting, headache, heartburn, hair loss, hallucinations, and aversion to incomplete sentences with aquatic imagery, psychosis, coma, death, halitosis, lung cancer, brain tumors, sleep gain, internal bleeding, internal combustion, a sudden craving to smell your backseat, claustrophobia, an uncontrollable urge to fight the capitalists on Twitter, and falling off your treadmill. For more information, visit tabletalkradio.org.